I want to thank ReviewBiz for sponsoring today's episode. By the way, did you know that reviews are today's digital word of mouth? It's also one of the most valuable business and marketing assets you have. If you're not maximizing your review strategy, then ReviewBiz platform can help you. Let ReviewBiz inspire your members to give you your first five reviews for only $1. To get started, just go to reviewbiz.io forward slash try. Always be learning. I think there's periods of our lives where we just don't. And I think that's a huge opportunity missed. I would have paid better attention in school. I know school is probably set up on some antiquated system to just make you a better factory worker. I get that. But there's a lot of things that I could have done from an educational standpoint, maybe not even traditionally. Just learn to start and never stop learning. Hey, welcome to another great episode of the Gym Owners Growth Zone podcast, the show designed to help gym owners improve and grow their businesses. I'm your host, Andres Escobar, and I'm so grateful to have you join us today. Today, we have Rick Mayo, a successful fitness entrepreneur, writer, speaker, and founder of Alloy Personal Training Franchise, a turnkey franchise opportunity that provides personal training solutions to fitness facilities worldwide. He has been helping thousands in the fitness industry since 1992. If this is your first time listening to our show, please consider subscribing to the podcast and share this episode with someone whom you think will enjoy it. As we dive into the episode, listen to how Rick, a fitness industry expert and entrepreneur, shares his inspiring journey from personal trainer to successful business owner. He highlights the importance of taking action, and pursuing passions despite of fear and doubt, stressing on the continuous learning and adaptation in a dynamic market and giving importance to the impact of your work. Hey, welcome back to the Gym Owners Growth Zone podcast. I'm your host, Andres. I wanna welcome to the show, Rick Mayo. Thanks for coming on, Rick. I really appreciate it. We're really happy to have you here. I know... We've been in touch here and there, and we, we met at recently, and I know uh, somewhat a little bit about your story, but I just want to make sure that our audience appreciates and knows a little bit about Rick Mayo and how you came to be here, and share, share your light with us, please. Yeah, listen, first, Andres, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. So I feel like I've told this story a million times over, but you know, I always appreciate the fact that there's definitely a unique audience right out there. So if you do know my story... <laughs> Brace yourself. But no, I'll keep it short. So um, I've been in the fitness space since I was a junior in college. So embarrassingly, and I guess proudly, maybe all in the same little bundle that was in 1992 when we opened our first facility. And so we, we were, we were actually in the same brand promise that we are now, which is personal training, which is actually pretty cool because you know, a lot of folks. And as we talk about what we're doing now, they may have a question about like, is this trendy or what have you? It's like, no, we're doing the same thing essentially same service that we were offering in 1992, which is personal training. Now, 
in our evolution. So imagine you open in 92, somewhere between there and say year 2000, we had figured out a different way to service personal training. So we could put people into what we call small group format, somewhat of a bastardized term. But for the sake of this conversation, let's just say up to six people in one group. And we could still keep the brand promise of personal training. And what that allowed us to do was to offer a better value proposition to our customer avatar, meaning one-on-one training is just super expensive. Honestly, it can get a little bit sleepy you know, at times. It's just two people in the interaction. And so what we found organically was when people brought friends, they had more fun. They could pay a little less. It was a more valuable hour for the business. Coaches could make more money. And so it was this real win-win of like this mix of community and specificity and accountability that comes with personal training. So you could combine the two. And then we made a systematic approach to doing that in somewhere around year 2000. Then that really was, you know, we were so early to the game that that was sort of the, the original surge of the personal training business was around the late 90s, early 2000s. And so we were at, in the market at the right time. And we you know, became quickly one of the highest revenue per square foot facilities in the country. So that put me on the radar for a lot of speaking engagements. And then we had people that were asking us for parts and pieces of what we do. So in a consulting manner, we would say, okay, we can help you with your sales system or induction process or, you know, again, customer service, like retention strategies, even down to the workouts themselves. Like how do you program for this particular crowd? And then that led to similar questions being asked over and over again. And then we built a solution for that, which was an online platform, which was sort of the birth of that right around the birth of like online LMS, like learning management systems. We built that out and we launched what at the time we called licensing, which was a white-labeled version of what we do. And we were powering at one point up to 2,500 gyms worldwide, everywhere from India, Dubai, Tasmania, everything in between. Of course, a ton in the States and Europe and Australia, New Zealand. I mean, you name it, right? Did you guys catch that? It was like Tasmania. You know, it was worldwide. He He had a program that's going worldwide, guys. I mean, if you guys aren't perked up your ears yet, this is the time to listen. Come on. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, listen, it was it was interesting because it, it would work in all these weird markets like Albania. I'm like, okay, like I don't, I've never been to Albania. I've been all over Europe, never been there. But to see something that is very similar to what we're offering, right? Work in a market like that, same programming and humans are humans, right? We all move the same way. So, yeah. and even the sales systems, I mean, obviously it had to be somewhat adjusted for those local markets, but it worked everywhere. And I think so, the core is like we, the community, right? You just mentioned earlier, the community, people wanted accountability. Everybody, listen, it's a small world. It really is. We all want the same thing. We do. People yeah. are generally, you know, generally the same all over the world. They want to live a healthy lifestyle, take care of their family. I mean, all the basic things, right? Yeah, the governments are weird and they can be all different, but people are pretty much the same at heart. So it worked pretty much everywhere that we put it, depending on if the operator was good or not. And then we started having in sort of the late 2018, 19, we had a lot of boutique fitness, which is would be considered our category approaching us and saying, hey, can you build things for us? And we had already been working with some really big franchises in the general fitness space, like an Anytime Fitness Gold's Gym. So we had a lot of penetration in brands like that. And it put me in advisory roles in those particular brands. So I had a nice peek under the covers at how franchising works, how to deploy, deploy and operationalize services in a franchise structure. And then when we started being approached by boutique franchises, we then said, you know what, let's, let's do our own franchise. Mm. And so we took us about eight to 10 months to put everything together because franchising is very top heavy, as you know, litigious business. So we put everything together and we launched our full on franchise right at the end of 2019. And as you know, timing's everything. And so 2020 was a terrible year for fitness. As you can imagine, there were states that weren't even allowed to be open. So, you know, we put our sales on pause and we focused on just servicing our licensing revenue. 
So we don't sell that anymore, but we still have some legacy licensing uh, customers that are out there that we were servicing. Oh, wow. And then around mid-2020, we turned our marketing back on for the franchise because the veil from COVID was starting to lift. And then it's been maybe two years since we did that. And we're now at 130 you know, franchises awarded. We've got, we'll have 50 open by the end of the year. So it's all full steam ahead at this point. So think about every evolution, right, Andres, from one mom and pop shop right. as a college student right. to multiple corporate locations to consulting and speaking to then licensing to then, you know, sitting on the board for other franchises to then full on franchising. So it's been 31 years and lots of iterations of what we do. I got chills. Go I got chills. I just got chills. I just, you know, <laughs> because this show is about growth, right? And if you're stuck and or feel stuck or you just comfortable in wherever you are and, and you just, and you have these aspirations in your head and you're not doing anything about it. You got to get out of your comfort zone. I mean, it looks like Rick's constantly just reaching the, the, that gap, you know, is going over, going, moving over, moving over. And it's just like, okay, franchise. Like uh, my next question is like, Rick, what's next? <laughs> but you, right, you're yeah. still building right now, right? You're still growing this franchise. It's just, and I told you, this is, this is an amazing model. I got a chance to listen to Rick and present and, and his his model is great. I mean, listen, a lot of people say they have, they want to franchise, but they don't really have a model. They don't have a, a system that's unique to them and their success and show success. I think it's so important that if you have a need and a want to build something, hey, look at what's working. Look at what's working like Rick's creating right now. I love it. Rick, thank you so much. I don't know if you have more to tell, please. No, you know, I, no, I, I feel it. like I, I know you like, wow, this is great. Good stuff. No, you're right. And I think for anyone listening, and you know, I still do some speaking in the industry. Obviously, we saw each other at the Functional Aging Institute event. I had done a, a talk the week before for a friend of mine that owns sort of a mastermind group, if you will. And I'll speak at like Perform Better Circuits. And so I'm starting to speak at some franchise events as well, which is because we have a unique background to approach franchising, you know. And I think, but when you look at that, and I know that this is all about fitness growth, I really enjoy going back and speaking at events like Perform Better because there's lots of young coaches in the crowd. You know, and they look at someone like me and, the, and I've just been doing it for a long time. And so they're like, wow, I would love to do that someday. And you just think, well, look, it would be, it wouldn't be easy for you to do it, but it's certainly possible. And I say this in, you know, in all from the most humble place ever, like I was just a coach, a trainer dude, honestly, right? And then each one of these opportunities, it required a different skill set. So the only real sort of magic, if you will, is just being wired in a way that you recognize that if you want to create better opportunity vehicles for yourself, you have to be on this constant growth trajectory, which means you're all the things that come with that. The positive things are as you upskill yourself, you are going to be allowed to move into better opportunity vehicles should you choose. The things that can be seen as negative if you're not wired the right way and you don't recognize them as actual just parts of the process is the constant level of discomfort and imposter syndrome that you have when you're right on the hairy edge of your skill set at all times, right? But what you'll find is if you just do it enough times, you build the self-efficacy that says, well, yes, I mean, obviously growth is inherently uncomfortable. So if I want to go from one co to, to coach to business owner, business owner to multiple locations, multiple locations to something bigger than that, each one of those steps is going to require a different version of you, right? So you should be on this never-ending journey of upskilling yourself. And in doing so, you will have earned, if you will, better opportunity vehicles to be in. And so, but it has to work that way. And I, I would say that your, your education, your thought process, it just has to stay just a hair ahead 
of the position that you're in to be able to earn it or to justify it, right? But to say that it's not going to be uncomfortable and that sometimes you're going to feel like you don't deserve to be in a certain room with other people or whatever that is, it's like, that's never ending, right? But the more time you stay uncomfortable and the more evidence that you stack in your favor that you are the right type of person to be earning this opportunity, if that makes sense, over and over and over again, you you don't get used to it in the sense that it doesn't exist. You just get more tolerant of it. You start to recognize that it's just part of the process. And actually, in a most twisted entrepreneurial way, you actually begin to enjoy and relish those uncomfortable moments because you realize that those are the times where you're seeing the most opportunity for growth, right? And so you just learn to... It's sort of like exercising, right? Like, I still don't love exercise. I mean, I've been doing it my entire life because I like the benefits of it. And you go in and like, it's not like, oh my gosh, we know when I'm doing this set of this exercise, you know, hurts so bad. I love it. I'm like, I don't. I wish it didn't hurt at all. But what you come to realize very similarly to business is that like, okay, this small amount of suffering is worth the upside on the back end. And so if you can do that, you can just take those same skills, a lot of parallels there, actually, delayed gratification, ability to suffer, you know, all the things that you need sort of mentally, if you will, to become an entrepreneur, but it's the same exact feeling, you know, and if you can just get used to the fact that like, there's nothing wrong with you, if you feel strange or uncomfortable, then I think you'll be fine. You just have to get your head there. Because I think when people start to feel that way, they think inherently that something's wrong with them or they're not wired to do this, right. you know, that it should just be easy because you're looking at people that have gone through it already, you know, and they're still in it, by the way. Yeah. Like I'm still in that stage. I'm just now in a, the biggest opportunity vehicle that we've been in. So I'm still in rooms where I look around and there's people that have, you know, a thousand franchises or, you know, again, you look at some of the folks I've worked with, 5,000 franchises. I'm like, oh my God, you know. Right. It's like, good, but that's the uncomfortableness that I've learned to appreciate because that means I'm in the right room, right? I'm moving yeah. in the right direction. <laughs> if you're the so smartest person in the room, then you're probably in the wrong room. <laughs> wrong room. Yeah, yeah, you've heard that a million times, but it's so true. So true. So I would say to anybody listening who's like a one facility owner, you want to just stay with that. Look, that's a noble cause. I get it. Right. Some people do. Absolutely great. Go for it. But if you have aspirations on things that are bigger, it's absolutely possible and again, I say this from a place of complete humbleness is, is, you know, like if I can do it, you can certainly do it. You know, it doesn't, there's three, three decades, you know, so it doesn't happen fast always. I hope it would happen faster for you. But, um, but yeah, it can be done for sure. For sure. And I love something you said, which I heard a lot and is, it wasn't a good thing. It was, it was something you said, I was just a personal trainer, right? And I heard it in the conference where I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm just a trainer. I'm just a trainer. I'm like, dude, you know, you're not just a trainer. Your job is so important that you don't even understand. So once you grasp how important and how impactful you are in the lives that you're helping, you're not just a trainer. You're more than that. And then that's why I think that mindset is you're shifting to you become something because you're not as something I have right. That's who am I becoming? I write this on the board. It's like, who am I becoming? It's not who am I is who am I? I'm becoming somebody. I'm not a human being. I'm a human becoming. That's what I say. So it's just something that helps you realize there's bigger, better things out there for you. And you just got to just step into it. So that's, yeah, I love it. Agreed. I mean, if you want it, right. But right. the thing is, if you want it, correct. If you, right. If you do feel the pull and the urge to chase it, don't make excuses. Like you said, don't speak over yourself. Things like I'm just a personal trainer. It's like, yeah, everybody's just a personal trainer. It's a noble position. But the funny thing is, Speaking that, just a personal trainer, if I'm talking to a room, say, at a conference where it's mostly coach-focused, there might be a room full of trainers, right? And what's funny for them to hear is I actually miss the, the day in the life of that they have 
right? When my biggest concerns are like, what, how am I going to squeeze a lunch in? Or am I going to get my afternoon workout in? And I got to put my hands on the fruits of my labor, which was the actual human beings that I was working with, right? Right. So if that person says to me, oh, I'd love to do what you've done someday. I'm like, would you? Do you really want to spend all day in meetings with legal and marketing and compliance? I mean, you're, you get farther and further away from the why. And it's, I can keep it top of mind because that's what drives you ultimately, right? But in some ways, and people think this is a crazy thing to say, you're sacrificing kind of what you like for the greater good. Meaning if I like putting my hands on customers and being in the gym training people, yes. But I know that if I can grow this franchise to 800 locations, then that's going to be a lot more people that I'm giving opportunities to have a career in the fitness industry, for investors to get return on investment, for their local communities to get to a healthier place. All of those things are worth the sacrifice of me not getting the satisfaction of standing in the room, seeing the results of my labor, if that makes sense. So, But don't underestimate how fun that is, how important it is, and how much I miss that. And it's, I think, sometimes surprising for people to hear that like, oh, you must be having a blast building a big franchise. Oh, don't get me wrong. It's awesome. And I love growing and learning and like things are going well and I love winning. And it's like, it's amazing. But the thing I really miss the most and the thing that I still love the most is just the interaction with the end users, which is the customers. It's the most gratifying part of what our business does. And I'm sacrificing that to to grow something bigger for the greater good. Can you guys see Rick going in undercover boss and just going back in there? I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> I couldn't do it, man. I, like if it's always they wouldn't recognize you right away, Rick. Don't even try. Don't even try. They'd be like, "Oh, that's Rick. What are you talking about? Come on." No, this guy with a mustache and the weird guys like like this big glasses. The glasses. Well, you you know, and it, those shows, I don't see how they do it because they always have like the one really like bad employee or franchisee and they have to bite their tongue. I would be like, what are you doing? Like we have this opportunity to change lives and you're going to come in here and you know, with that attitude or whatever. So I don't know if I could do it, but right. uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I, I'd love to try. I'd yeah. Right. Try, that Not bad. It'd be good. <laughs> good for name recognition for sure. Yeah. Yep. For sure. is a beautiful word to hear when you're scoring on the soccer field. This last World Cup was won by Argentina because of one important player. Yeah, you got it. It was the goalie. He secured the win for the team. And in the same way, ReviewBiz platform will catch negative reviews before they go online. In addition, it helps you score and promote fresh new reviews so you can crush the competition. So don't let those big box gyms take your clients. ReviewBiz will help you build your online presence and turn your own members into your best sales reps. Get your first five reviews for only $1. All you got to do is go to reviewbiz.io forward slash try to get started. I love the way you weave that story and, and it was just beautiful how you can touch the, the lives and actually not the lives, but the, the audience. Like there's people in our audience that are, are thinking about what, what you're, what you're just talked about, how, how bringing in growing it. Is it right for me? Like check yourself. You really got to like know thyself as we've seen. So I want to talk about life and how it relates to a roller coaster. And so just like a roller coaster, up and down, left and right, there is certain tracks that help us stay moving forward and guardrails. 
And I just want to understand from you, Rick, what is a, a guardrail that you have in your life, a track that you keep on that helps you moving forward and growing? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I feel like it's just more of a life philosophy. So indulge me for a moment. But I think it's a responsibility that we have, right? Like, I think life is hard, right? And, and I don't mean this in a fatalistic way, but life is hard. Like even people, like if you're born in the United States and you're gainfully employed and you're working as a coach, it's like, you've got a great freaking life. You have to admit, you know, you're not living in some slave camp in the Middle East or something. So you've got a great life. So like, let's start there. But life is still hard. And it's, you know, there's tragedy and there's hardships and, you know, being human is complicated at times. I think it's your responsibility. And I think this is really the key to happiness. If, if you want to know, you know, it's not, margaritas on the beach. It's not. It's having a big, giant purpose, right? It's aiming as high as you can possibly conceive for you, whatever that may be. And then bringing everything, every skill, emotion, and logic that you have to bear towards that greater good. Like that's what life's all about. And even brain chemistry science will show like, listen, if something is hard to achieve, it's certainly more gratifying. And, and it's really not even the achievement because I will tell you each one of these sort of benchmarks along the way, as I look back, none of them were, they were all anticlimactic. None of them meant anything to me. Because by the time I'd gotten there, I had sort of worked my way there and I had earned it. Sure, I had some breaks and some hands up and all the things that people need to be successful. But each time I was there, it was sort of like, uh, I always think of Elon Musk's text, which I loved when he became the wealthiest man in the world. And he reposted the, the headline and he said, isn't that interesting, dot, 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 back to work. Because what does it mean in the in the bigger picture, right? right? Like beyond Beyond a certain amount, money has no additional utility. It's how adults keep score. So it's fun to put like a scorecard on your project as an entrepreneur. Sure. But beyond a certain amount, it's not really doing much for you anyway. So it's not, it becomes not about that. It becomes about literally bringing all your skills to bear towards a greater goal to the highest possible thing that you can conceive. And as soon as you reach whatever that perceived goal line is, you just move that goalpost back and you reload and you keep going. That's actually, from a scientific brain chemistry standpoint, also the key to happiness. So I would say the only guardrails that I put up are the burden that, that, you, that we all carry to live life to the fullest to our potential, if that makes sense. So like, look, it's your, if you are blessed to have a skill set and an audience of people and you are a leader, which if you're, say, just a coach at this point, I know he's just a coach. Look, you're a leader in people's lives. So own that role, right? Take it seriously. Bring everything you have to bear to that role. And that will probably create a bigger opportunity and then bring everything you have to bear to that. And you're going to do that between now, by the way, and the day you can't do it anymore, which might be the day that you're not upright and breathing. It's like, so what? That's life. So to me, the, the general guiding light and guardrails, if you will, are just that. There's a burden that we all carry to be the best possible version of ourselves for our family, our business, the, generally the world, you know, around us. And not recognize that, not recognizing that is a travesty. So like you need to push for that very reason. And I hope that makes sense. It can sound sort of existential and like, well, it's, you know, uh, it's big, right? It's not. Yeah. It's really big. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's a like philosophy and you can build your life around this philosophy of this burden, this cross you carry, so to speak, to to be the best that you can possibly be and bring everything you have to bear towards that goal. And that's it. As long as you're doing that, that will create a decision tree for you, right? That will create a, a, a moral compass for you. It will do all those things already because, you know, the person that is trying to be the best version of themselves at this point in time, you know, maybe they're not the person that stays out drinking or, you know, sleeps with a bunch of people or I'm not saying that's bad, but you know what I'm saying? It's just like 
those things, whatever those things are for you, those are your guardrails. But those can be set up with a long reaching goal that sort of narrows that focus, right? So that they're automatically in place for you, if that makes sense. No, it does completely. I think everybody can connect because everybody has, well, I'm, I'm saying this, uh, this purpose, right? This, this better version. Everybody has a better version. Do you want to tap into it or not tap into it? And ultimately, you know, as a human race, we all should want to tap into it because it's a betterment of everybody. And, yeah. and it's, it's personal excellence. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's, that's, that's it for everyone. And I think that's what we should all be striving for. And I think when some people hear that, they, they feel that as like a weight or a burden. And I say, so be it. It is a burden. Like you've been gifted with something. Mm. That's your burden. Your burden is to be the best version of yourself based on the resources you have. And if those resources aren't good enough, you better upskill yourself, get better resources, right? It's like, that's it. That's life in a nutshell, I think. And so those aren't necessarily like, you know, hard guardrails, but I, I promise you that if you have that compass that strong, those guardrails are in place already. Yeah. It's like to, to those who are much given, much is required. hundred percent. hundred percent, dude. Yeah. I'm with you, man. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. If you're even, uh, breathing and alive, the percentage chance of you even being conceived and alive is so small to waste. That is just, I just don't get it. You oh, know? Gosh. And again, the biggest like, regret, right? I mean, listen, you go through your life, whether you're at 99 or 110, and you're like, oh, I wish I would have. Yeah. Why? Why don't you? I mean, you? like, why not? Why, and why not now? Why not you? And why not now? You know, you've, I often talk when we have candidates out to uh, Discovery Day, which is the last step in the sales process for franchising, and we're vetting them and they're vetting us. So really, we were looking for good partners. They're looking for good investment opportunities to make sure we can work together because it's a fractionalized partnership at the end of the day. And so when we have them on the last day, I always talk about the book that was written by Bronnie Ware, who was a Australian hospice nurse for 30 years. And she wrote a book, I think it's called Five Wishes of the Dying. And basically, she compiled all of her answers to her questions for people who were living in the last days or weeks of their lives. So you're going to get pretty pointed answers for someone at that point. And of course, it was like, hey, what's your biggest regret? And she has the five top regrets. And number one was super interesting. And this is across the board for 20 something years. You know, the number one regret was I wished I'd had the courage to live the life that I wanted instead of the life that other people expected of me. So imagine that you're on your deathbed and it's all the things you never took a shot at because you were, for whatever reason, held down by some ideal or other people's dog, you know, the dogma and thoughts that other people have of you. And that can be insidious. It could be family. It could be your upbringing. Oh, yeah. It could be your, your frame of reference that you've grown up with. You know, maybe you don't feel like you're, you don't deserve it. You're not good enough. So it's not easy, you know, to do that. But I just hate for people to die with their dream inside of them because they were for whatever reason, not willing to take their shot and try to be their best, right? Whatever that is, yeah. best coach, best business owner, whatever. You know, my mind goes to, to like my, my family, like, right? I have people in my family that, you know, I was doing things differently that they're used to and it's okay. Like they're just there to protect you. They want to make sure that you get the same things that they get. And so you do different way and they're like, oh no, and this and that and, and judge or whatever. But then later on, after a couple of years, they're like, oh, I'm so happy that you're you're doing great and fantastic. I'm like, yeah, right. thanks. Remember when you thought I, I shouldn't do it? I should do it a different way. <laughs> right. Yeah. And listen, they. I mean, I'm not going to say that some of them don't want you to not be too successful. Right? No, no, so it's not that weird human behavior there. But I think a lot of them are. They really, if they're pressed, they're really just trying to look out for your best interest. That's it. They don't want you to get, again, air quoting hurt, if that makes sense, by pushing too hard or being disappointed or whatever. Right. But And there's people that are that, they're wired that way, right? I get it. But I think for anybody listening to this, if you're a coach or you're an, an entrepreneur already or an aspiring entrepreneur, it's like, man, 
you have a burden to be your absolute best. And again, if the number one regret of most of the people dying is they wish they'd done something on their own terms, then take your shot. You know, I mean, not an uneducated guess, not burn the ships. I hate that mentality. I don't know why. Like if you're living in a van down by the river and you have nothing, right? Yeah. Burn the ship. (laughs) Burn the van. The the worst case scenario is you end up in a tent or a smaller van. It's not that bad, right? Not that bad. But if you have family and resources, like that whole sort of glorified entrepreneurship of like all in, no backup plan. I don't know anybody that has any means or resources that goes about things that way. So I'm not saying that you have to be irresponsible, but at the same time, you can only mitigate so much risk before you, there has to be some inherent risk. So you can look at opportunities, you can plan, put your best resources together to make a decision, but eventually you've got to take a shot. You just do. You know, I'm just reminded because I was playing pickleball yesterday where like it's raining and it's thundering and someone's like, oh, we should leave. I'm like, well, it's not that bad. And so we used to complain, but then it got bad. Like, okay, no, not time to go. Let's go. (laughs) It's like false evidence appearing real. That's fear. But this is real evidence appearing real. Let's go. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And it takes, that's a skill as well. Maybe not that, but like that's a skill to develop over time. So all of these things, you know, they get easier and you're, your view gets wider. I mean, imagine being, you know, Tom Brady playing in a football game. Things probably move very slowly for him, right? He knows if this guy goes here, I'm going to throw the ball there. And that's just from experience, right? If, if you and I stepped in the NFL football game, it'd be moving so fast right now, we probably wouldn't even see anything, right? So it does take some time, but like, you know, with the skill set you currently have, try to make your best decisions, take small risks as you go and just keep, again, keep moving forward, right? Small risks is true. Like, yeah, you're envelope becomes your context vessel becomes bigger as you move on yes love it so the other thing that we like talking about here is obstacles right and so obstacles is our challenges and we have them in our business in our life can you tell us about an obstacle you recently had or one that you really jumps out at you and how you were able to overcome it sure i mean i could talk about covid because that was a tough for the fitness industry but sure. i think that's pretty raw. A lot of people get it. A lot of people that are listening to this were probably in business in some fashion when they went through that. So I'm not going to talk about that, but I'll rewind us all the way back to 1998 when I opened my business in 92. And then somewhere between 92 and 98, you know, I, I got married, I had a family, I had a mortgage, and I wasn't really running a super tight business at the time. You know, it's fine to admit that now because what happened in 98 was I had a couple of people that were real high level coaches in my business. And I wasn't running a systematic approach. You can imagine the old school model of personal training where you just hired superstars and they kind of had their own clientele within your business, almost like a business within your business. And I would actually feed that. Like I had all the responsibility and the risk. I had the lease and the loans and all the things. And I would bring people into my business with my marketing efforts. And I would turn them over and say, here's Andre. He's a specialist in you know aging, active aging. So he's your perfect trainer, right? Well, then that you can imagine what that would do. Then the business wasn't owning the process. I was giving them to you and then you were the, their expert, right? You were their one source of all things fitness. And so in 98, I had a couple of guys that came to me and that's the way I'd built the business and said, hey, we're going to be leaving. You know, honestly, we think we can open our own facility. And I'm like, well, it's not as easy as it looks. But, you know, in hindsight, I don't blame them. You know, they looked at me and I didn't have a lot of business systems in place. I just had a, I was the right market, right time, right place, brought in some really good coaches was probably overpaying them. I wasn't running a tight business structure. And so they left and then I had a couple of other coaches that left not too long after that. And at the time, my revenue um, was around 80, 
we were doing just over a million bucks a year. So imagine like 83 grand a month. Now, this is in like 98. So it was pretty good. Small space. And then they all left. Well, within like three or four months, my revenue was down to like 12,000 bucks a month. Now, that's a massive hit when you have a mortgage and kids and, you know, and I'm thinking, oh gosh, this, you know, the jig is up. Like I can't wear sweatpants to work anymore. I'm going to have to get a job in a cubicle or whatever that is. But I thought, you know what? I really like what we do. There's got to be a better way to do this. So I just pulled up my bootstraps and started with the basic things like let's build systems. We didn't have any. So let's build a system. Let's start with the stuff I know the best. So let's start with the workout stuff, build systems around that. And that led to like, well, then we need to be able to sell people. It's like, all right, well, then let's build sales systems. Great. And then it's like, okay, well, we, be, we need people to sell too. So let's build marketing systems. Okay, great. And then we need to keep customers a long time. So let's build like customer retention systems. Great. And then at a higher level, it's like, let's build financial systems that sort of are the levers that run this business, right? And But all of that, which almost sank me, it almost sent me out of business. The result of that was a very systematic approach to a different style of personal training, which became the impetus for consulting, licensing, and now full-on franchising. So what almost sank me became the biggest blessing that we've ever had because that very event became the reason that we're now able to franchise what we do to 800 locations, you know, in the lower 48. So it's like, okay, yes, it sucked. It almost killed me. But if you can look for those small little opportunities, right, in those hard times, they're there, believe me. And for me, it took me a while in hindsight, I, I wouldn't wish that on anyone, but to look back on that and say, wow, that was the best thing that ever happened to me, right? Because it was. Without that, I'm not here. We're not having this conversation. This reminds me of the book, The Obstacle is the Way. And we look at yes. it, you know, it become very stoic about it. It's like, okay, this is the challenge. You lost about 80% of your business, your income. This is crazy. Like, I'm like, that's exciting, but also like scary. Like, oh my gosh, what do I do? But then you figure it out. Forget about the resources you have. You were resourceful with what you had and you you created these systems. And I, and sometimes it's, a, it's like the backwards way to do it. And I was like, nope, you build a good foundation and then you could build because you're building the, the biggest building, not the fastest building. So I love it. I love it, man. It's awesome, man. So good. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I think once you go through something like that, and then it proves out to be an opportunity as much as it was, you know, an obstacle, if you will, then you start again, you now you have this self efficacy and this knowledge around like, oh, so when bad things happen, they don't have to be catastrophic, I can probably mitigate some of them with better planning. But even if we have things that are going to happen negatively, and you can pretty much bank on the fact that you're going to, then if your wiring is now that, okay, well, there's also an opportunity here to get better or to pivot or to turn one degree this direction or that degree, it's like, okay, then you don't dread those times as bad. First of all, you expect that they're going to happen because they are. And then you view them as opportunities to get better or to pivot or whatever. Then they become a completely different thing. They're not catastrophic, right? They're at just cost of doing business. You're emotionally resilient. You've been through this before. And you say, okay, where are the opportunities in this? Something like COVID then rolls around, no big deal. Okay, we can pivot to this. We've got this tech tool. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it sucks, but it's like it through this, we're going to come out of this stronger and better than we've ever been. And speaking of Stoics, it's like the uh, James Stockdale, who was the running mate to Ross Perot, right? He's a, a fan of the Stoics. And when he was the highest ranking officer in the Hanoi Hilton, which is the, the terrible prison in Vietnam, you know, because he was the highest ranking officer, he received the most torture, the most scrutiny and whatnot. And, you know, he fared really well. And, and he said all along the reason that James. No, Jim, gosh, gosh, I'm drawing, who wrote Good to Great, whoever that was. That author interviewed him and they, he termed it the Stockdale Paradox because he said, listen, he basically said, listen, I know it's going to suck right now. 
Like there's no doubt I could be pulled out and tortured at any time. I'm under no delusions that I'm going to be out by Christmas or whatever. I don't know. I don't know any of that. And I know, meanwhile, it's going to suck. But ultimately, and this is the paradox, I know that I'm going to look back on this time as something that happened for me. It's going to be a blessing in disguise. I'm going to learn from it. And it's going to become a big part of my story moving forward. So that's the paradox. You can sit in the fact that things are sucking and really hard for you right now, while also realizing that ultimately you're going to be just fine. And actually, this really shitty period of your life might end up being the impetus for something really great. That's the paradox, right? That's it. So if you're if you're going through it right now and you're you're up against it and you're eating loads of shit right now, which <laughs> as entrepreneurs we all do, pardon my French, this might be the biggest opportunity you've ever had. So it's hard to think of it that way, but I will tell you that it could be the truth. It's so real. And it's just just keep that mindset of there's gonna be something better. That light's still there. Might be a little glimmer, but still, still focus on it. Keep on it. Keep going. Love it. Yep. So that's the light side of stuff and how it can get better and, and good. I want to go to the other side. The fitness industry that you're a part of, there's things that can be improved. There's, there's issues, right? Right now, what do you see that needs to be changed right now in the fitness industry? You had a magic wand. I'm here to wave it with you and let's boom, done. What do you think that would be? I think we really need to start recognizing what we could be. Right now, we're still somewhat stuck in the mindset of like kick-ass workouts. I say that as almost like a derogatory term. I think it's just table stakes, which if you don't know, that's just like a betting term that like you just ante up, that just gets you in the game, right? Your table stakes are you give good workouts. I'm talking about boutique fitness, right? But that's not it. Like I think when you're looking, moving forward, like who are we in people's lives? Like we're in a, a very advantageous seat. We could be the biggest, you know, influence on their overall health and wellness. And I think we're starting to see that, right? You look at like uh, Peter Atia's new book, Outlive, and some of these things that are moving towards like, what do we need to do to, to not just increase our lifespan, but our health span, and then maybe even more that our play span. So how long in our life can we do the things that we love to do, whether it's golf or hike or whatever those things are? That's the seat that we sit in. If you're on the medical side, you're on the sick side, right? You're already treating illness already. And that's a massive moneymaker over there. Believe me, whether you're big pharma or, you know, again, a, a surgeon or whatever, that's how that business model is built. Well, we're in the position to get on the front end of this, but we're not going to do it with kick-ass workouts. It's got to be more than that. So what I see is maybe the gap in the industry is kind of where we fit in. And I, I really like to use the analogy of like a hub and a wheel, right? So if you look at like a wheel as a wellness wheel, and if you can sit in the middle of that as the hub, the spokes would be things like recovery, like sleep, let's just say, because sleep's really important. We all get that now. Okay, sleep supplementation. Okay. We probably need that. probably not getting everything we need from our diet. Like not a ton, but you know, you need probably need a multivitamin. I don't know, something like that. Nutrition in general. What do you eat? Right. Strength training. Great. Cardiovascular health. Great. Stress relief. Awesome. There's so many spokes to this wellness wheel and what in the health and fitness industry, we sort of get fractionalized and we just strip it down to just like kick-ass workouts. And that that's fine. That's one of the spokes. I will get that. We get that, but there's more to be done. Right. Yeah. And so for us as a brand, what we're trying to do is say, we're going to sit in this advisory role in the middle of this wheel and we're going to right. coach to sleep, supplements, nutrition. And this is your life, basically, essentially. This is your health, right, overall and how you show up to the world. So it's like, can we be in a different seat in people's lives on the front end of healthcare as opposed to just seeing ourselves as like an entertaining kick-ass workout, right? right? I think to me, that's the biggest gap. I think that science is proving that there's real value to what we do to get out ahead of it. I think healthcare is a mess. I think big pharma is a mess. I think everybody's treating illness, maybe even creating illness if you want to be you know, put your tinfoil hat on. So it's like, okay, 
can we get in front of this thing and be on the front end of healthcare? But to be on the front end of healthcare, we have to be better than shirtless picks with six pack abs right. and best kick ass workouts because that's not going to touch enough of the population, right? We're just selling a different widget to the same customer avatar that already is in amazing shape anyway. So it's like, can we really penetrate the market in a meaningful way on the front end of healthcare? I think that's the gap. That's huge. No, I, I, my mind goes in so many directions when you're talking about <laughs> this because I'm like, yeah, so many things, that, 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 that. It's like these, you got to like, uh, remember the, the game Asteroid? You're like in the middle. Yes. You try to, these preemptive strikes before that comes and hits you and, and just degrades your, whatever your central system is. Right. And so I think that's what we're, you're going at. You know, my mind goes in that direction. It's like, okay, we got to hit that, 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 that. But it's not just this one, like, oh, physical physique. I want to make sure I get this uh, six, right. six, you know, and six pack is cool, but it really isn't where you should just stake your, your claim. Like I'm the six pack guy, right? No, no, that's not going to last forever. You know? Look, if you're an online coach and you just want to train other busy dads who want six packs, great. Go, go, go to tackle that market. We were talking about an industry as a whole. We have to do better than that. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is like, yeah. as an industry, let's speak to people who are not active and who need to move more just to be healthy. Right. And we've got a huge segment of a population that is in that category. Like, what can we do for them? Right. Not necessarily, again, a, a, a better mousetrap for the person that's already really fit. Yeah. That's fine. There's a bunch of that out there already. But let's try to do better than that. And I think that's where the opportunity is. And I think that's where the gap is for us right now as well. Well, wouldn't it be cool if both of us are in the US and if we're not known as, you know, these slushy drinking, burger eating people because we're we're like the most overweight, you know, country in the in the world, I think. So it's definitely would be nice to change that paradigm and and we all have a part in it. So love it, man. Love it. So obviously if you're overweight, if you're eating all this, there there's you're being inhibited to grow, right? And so in your life, what has been something that you would say has inhibited you from growing or what is something that has helped you grow? And you said it earlier, like, let's get you, let's help the audience get there faster. So if you could share with us, what is something that has stunted your growth or, or stopped you from growing faster or something that's helped you to help you grow faster? What would be something like that? You know, I think the stumping of the growth would definitely be around the misconception that discomfort, which you could describe it again as imposter syndrome, that might be an easier term for people to understand, yeah. that that's something that's real. It's a feeling, right? And you take that feeling for a reality. You take that as logic. In fact, it's not. It's actually a feeling that everyone has. It's not true necessarily. And so, but that if you're not careful and, you know, and you feel like you don't deserve this or you're not smart enough and you don't want to be seen as a fool or whatever the things are, like a million emotional things that go into that. That's the thing I think that held me back the most. That was the hardest to overcome. I think it's very, it's very human emotion to have that. And I think a lot of people are in that space. So like you do, I wouldn't say you deserve it because I hate that word. I would say that it's possible for anyone as long as you are willing to grow and learn and be uncomfortable and grow and learn and just continue to do that forever. Right. So I would say that was the thing that held me back the most. I think the biggest advantage I had was, you know, I didn't think about it until maybe five or 10 years ago when my dad worked big corporate and he left and then opened his own business when I was probably 13 or 14. I didn't think a thing about it, honestly. I can't remember any details about it. I don't remember like, oh, there was a story when he came home and he was telling me about his P&Ls and none of that. But I think in hindsight, it was a real gift to see someone take their shot, if that makes sense, with yeah. a family in tow. 
right? To take their shot, to open their own business, to work their butts off, to build something, you know? And I think the, the name of the business is still the same as it was when he sold it. So it's still a business out there wow. with my last name on it that I've had nothing to do with. Super cool. We're not talking about Heinz Mayo, right? We're not talking about that, right? No. No. I wish. (laughs) You wish, yes. Yeah, ironically, I hate mayonnaise. (laughs) Can't have egg salad, chicken salad, anything with mayonnaise in it, disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want it on a sandwich, nothing. So, ironically. But yeah, I think that was a big advantage that I didn't recognize until recently. And so, if you haven't had that, again, that could be your roadblock is that your parents always worked and said, just go to school, get a job. If you want to make more money, you get a better job in that company. Right. They never really encouraged you to take a risk and take your shot, right? And I didn't realize what an advantage that was until probably five to 10 years ago. That's so true. I think we don't understand the the things that we're being protected from, right? It's like, this is so, so true. And and they, our parents or our family wants to protect us. And so, but you got an opportunity. I don't want to go back to the other conversation, but you had an opportunity that really helped you shape where you're at right now. and. Now you're just taking, you're just standing on the shoulders of your dad. And that's have you it. ever seen that, heard that? Because that's truth. And I love it. That's so yeah. good. Congrats. And I, I didn't even recognize it until 40 years old. So it's like, oh, yeah, that was a huge advantage for me, right? It took me a long time to figure that out. But I would say that's probably the thing that's given me the biggest advantage. Awesome, dude. Well, we're come to the moment of the fast five. So I'm going to ask you questions and top of mind, whatever the answer is, we'll move forward. Then I got one special question at the end. And here we go. So Let's do it. who has been an influential person in your personal life or business life? Oh, just talked about it, my dad. Perfect. Awesome. What has been one thing you wish you had known when you began your business journey? To reiterate that you're always going to be uncomfortable in feeling like you are, don't deserve the opportunity that you're currently in. Oh, like grateful. What's a book, podcast, blog, or media that you recently consumed that has positively impacted you? The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham, I believe. It's a daily read for me. Wow. Love it. I love it. Keeps you on track. I love it. That's one of the tracks right there. That's good. What's a, your favorite online tool? Oh, gosh. I would feel bad to say ChatGPT, but it does work pretty well. <laughs> um, I would say, like, uh, barring that for just the amazing things that it can do right? and scary, I would say Slack is the best tool that I have because like, communication is key as our organization grows and Slack is an amazing tool. The way we use it, it's very impactful for us in our inner company communications, keeps us out of email hell as well. Yeah. Not just that inner office or inner business, but also with other companies, you can have their own little Slack channel. It's so good. Yeah. All of our vendors have their own Slack channel. That's how we communicate. So it's like, it's just a great way to keep everything organized for our company. Yeah. It's not too expensive. It's like, I would say that's the tech tool that I'm in multiple times a day that's probably the most impactful for us yeah. right now. If you don't know, you need to know. That's one take take a look into it. It's really good. It's free. It's like like to start and yep. you can grow to a lot and take the use out of free because it's really good for free. Big time. All right. And then the last one is what's one habit or practice you believe everybody would benefit from if you they just started? It's a self-serving answer, but exercise. Sure. I mean, look, man, there's not a study in the world that doesn't say, just get out and walk every day for a couple of miles. Start there if you do nothing else, because there's no study in the world that doesn't support. It's good for your health and your brain and your whole being. So you'll show up better as a husband, business owner, father, whatever the things you are in people's lives, you'll be a better version of that if you uh, if you do some exercise. 
Marcus Aurelius says, treat the body rigorously. So that way right. when the mind, you can discipline it and tell it what to do. You, yeah. can't, you can't take control of your body. Forget about your mind. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. So I'm so glad you're a fan of the Stoics because, you know, I've read, I mean, that'll be some of my daily reads. Right. You know, like the daily Stoic is a good toilet right. reader, if you will. Not yeah. to be Ryan Holiday. About that, but like, yeah. <laughs> a great reader. Uh, you know, the diaries of Marcus Aurelius, all those oh. are great reads as well. And I think if you like those kind of things, The Road Less Stupid, you'll like as well because it's not very fluffy. You know, it's not a lot of woo-woo. It's just straight, like, here's how you need to be organized to be successful. Yeah. And then each chapter self-contains. You can just open it, read that chapter. It's got thinking exercises after it, done, 10 minutes. You know, it's, what I find really interesting is the uh, comparison between the, the Stoics and Jesus' life. Like, these principles, yeah. and, and, and I'm like, oh, wow, because I, I read both. And I was like, oh, they're very, very similar, very similar, very cool. You know, uh, one is a theology and the other one is is a set of beliefs and so it's it's really cool how they relate. So that's that's why I like both. But uh, yeah, yeah that's so good. All right, man, this is it. The last question I have for you is if I had a time machine and I was put you in there and take you back to 14-year-old Rick, little Rick, what would be a piece of advice you would give Rick at 14 years old? Always be learning. I think there's periods of our lives where we just don't. And I think that's a huge opportunity missed. I would have paid better attention in school. I know school is probably set up on some antiquated system to just make you a better factory worker. I get that. But there's a lot of things that I could have done from an educational standpoint, maybe not even traditionally. Just learn to start and never stop learning. I didn't catch on to that until a little bit later. So that would have been nice to know. Love it. Great stuff, man. Rick, thanks again from me and, and everyone that's listening. I just wanted to appreciate you and, and just share your light with the whole world. So thanks so, so much for coming. Andres, thanks for the opportunity, buddy. It was, it was amazing. Thank you. Hey, man, that was such a fun episode. I really enjoyed what Rick said. Instead of letting imposter syndrome paralyze you, you can use it to motivate and keep you learning to improve yourself. Imposter syndrome is not a sign of weakness, but a sign of growth. I hope you found this episode as informative as I did and valuable as I saw it to be. If you have any questions or feedback about today's show, feel free to connect with us on Instagram with ReviewBiz and with me at Meet Esco. We would love to hear your thoughts. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the episode today. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and subscribe to the show on the platform you're currently listening on. And remember to leave us a rating and review so we can improve the show for you. It would mean the world to us. Also, check out our YouTube channel to get some amazing content and more. All right. By the way, as always, thank you so much for your encouragement. And I want to truly appreciate you for listening for the podcast and helping us improve with your comments. And I'll be seeing you next time in the growth zone. Our show today was brought to you by our incredible team, starting with production from TSE Studios, music consulting by Tyler Schmeling, our lovely guest coordinator, Anna Ponce, and focus juice from our project coordinator, Mauricio Murillo and myself, Andres Escobar, as the host.
Thanks to ReviewBiz for sponsoring this episode. And if you want to get the most out of your review strategy, then go to reviewbiz.io forward slash try so you can get your first five reviews from your real members for only $1.